0: X-Men
1: Get it X-Men. X-Men. Come, on. Come on Hey everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom this is your weekly X Men podcast, where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam, and I am Zach, and Adam. Hey, hey, hey! It feels like it's been so long.
0: Well, it has been a couple of weeks since we've recorded, and uh, it's been it's good to be back. You know, like we get, we got to get back into our uh, our our schedule here.
1: Yeah, listeners, because we're responsible podcasters, we prepped up for not being able to podcast for a while. so you don't notice an interruption but this is the first time in like three plus weeks that me and adam have gotten to sit down and like chat about what x-men stories we think are better than other ones
0: we got some good stuff today too we're gonna we're gonna go back and talk about the o5
1: we are Um, going to talk about the o5 uh and we're going to do that thanks to patreon supporter thomas cummins uh Tom's been a long time supporter of the show and supporter of uh, the Savior Files Media Empire. And, like, I've known him since before I started a website, which is wild, now that I think about that. Hi, Tom. He's a good dude. (laughs) And we appreciate his support, and we appreciate him letting us talk about stories that we wanted to. Yes. But first, uh, we're going to bring in the Dancing Lobsters. (laughs) adam we have a we have a very exciting exciting thing that's happened in these three weeks that we've been gone uh, that i'm dubbing lobster watch <laughs>
0: um yeah are you referring to the fact that not only did we see bill the lobster in the uh hickman mark brooks artwork but is he now an avenger
1: i think i think I'm pretty sure that Bill the Lobster and Gomi have to help stop World War Three.
0: Oh my goodness. It's a War of the Realms crossover? Where did that no, come from? No, I, I...
1: this is from Avengers No Surrender number nine, a comic that I... I guess it's out by the time that this podcast is out. I have not okay. read and I have no intention of reading. I just know that Bill the Lobster and Gomi from Fallen Angels are stopping World War Three with the Ultimates. Like the Al Ewing, Let's Make Galactus... Let's take Galactus and make him the way he was supposed to be, Galactus? You <laughs> remember totally... when Galactus was the life-bringer, right, Adam?
0: Yes. yes. Oh, so good. But I I don't know. I, I think that makes perfect sense. You know, if anybody should get uh, galactic superpowers, it should be Gomi and Bill. Even if they're just hanging out and helping out. That, That makes sense.
1: You say that, but you once, if I'm not mistaken, drew a comic where Bill's best friend, Don... Uh, tried to get revenge on the X-Men for abandoning him and getting him crushed by a T-Rex. And then you had a character from the Dinobots of Transformers, Grimlock, step on him.
0: Yes, but please, you know, remember that Bill and Gomi still made it out of that situation okay. And really, that was more Mr. Sinister's fault. But I did do that. Um, But it's great to see Gomi and Bill making their way back into continuity.
1: Yes, it absolutely is. Now, do you know what's messed up about continuity?
0: Uh, <laughs> was this your segue into um, the crimes of Dr. Hank McCoy?
1: Oh, I was just going to say literally everything about time travel because it's never... Yes. Look, look, look. Some of y'all are going to point to the fact that Peter David, Peter Allen David, uh, two-time Glad Award winner Peter Allen David once said well no this is how all time travel works it doesn't matter unless you use doom locks on this time machine and then it matters and the real answer is no he was lying to you time travel doesn't work and it can't work in the marvel universe anymore we're too deep into this 50 plus year of not being responsible time travelers or having consistent rules
0: yes uh time travel is always a bit of a stubborn thing that is constantly happening in the marvel universe um i've even heard some rumors that endgame might engage in some of this which i hope it doesn't um it's gonna be wild yeah yeah um but uh tom's request here does involve i think one of the most controversial uses of time travel in x continuity
1: you say controversial i say super beloved by me and that (laughs) is brian michael bendis and Stuart Eminem's uh all new x-men volume one uh we're going to be covering the first five issues which i believe is uh titled in the trade something no in home or in there i don't remember
0: (laughs) well all new x-men one to five um this is a bold re- reset button, uh, if you will, with uh, you know Bendis coming on the book and really establishing what not only all new X Men was going to be, but also really establishing in the first issue what un- his uncanny X Men team was going to be all about. It's it's just as much about introducing that team as it is about uh, bringing the 05 to the present.
1: Yeah, people forget that. Bendis wrote like 70 plus issues and the only real through line on it is let's really see what's going on with Scott Summers because he's pretty interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, when I talk about the fact that this might be controversial, I think that, you know, if, if you've never read this, you're probably missing out on, you know, what's been going on in the X-Men universe uh, since 2012, which (laughs) involved the original five X-Men being brought into the present by yep. Dr. Hank McCoy, who is just that angry with Cyclops that he's, he's also willing... dying, yes, I'm sorry, he is mutating again. he's having a tertiary mutation um, and uh it ain't going so well for him.
1: here's the thing. Dr. Hank McCoy is a bad scientist, and I know we have listeners who love him, but you'll agree with me that he once had an untested vial of science juice and said. I'm gonna drink this, which breaks like <laughs> lab safety rule number two.
0: Oh yeah. Rule I number did.
1: one is wear your PPE,
0: wear your personal
1: <laughs> protective equipment. Yes. Number two is don't drink stuff.
0: <laughs> don't experiment on yourself. Right. Um my might, might good tip. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Hang McCoy has made many, many questionable choices in the uh, course of his scientific career, but, um, this certainly is a real big choice. Uh, and he can try and blame it on Iceman all he wants, but he is the one that goes back in time and drags the O5 into the present, basically to just push it in Cyclops face and say, look, we were young and pure and innocent once. And, uh, I don't think any of this goes down quite the way that Hank really anticipated, not the least of which because he lies to the O5 about why he's bringing them to the future.
1: Yeah, let's talk about this. Uh, let's really dive deep into this one. Uh, so Hank McCoy is mad because Cyclops, well, look, we've had our AVX episode. We've said our piece. Cyclops did a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Cyclops then got broken out of prison. In a pretty dope miniseries that we haven't covered yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then decided just to do X-Men things. Like, let's be very clear. What Cyclops was doing was rescuing oppressed mutants from stuff.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of the strange thing is that, you know, you see the rest of the X-Men watching uh, Cyclops teaming up with Emma and Magneto. And all they're doing is coming into situations and helping out mutants in need. So we get introduced to Eva Bell, Tempest. We got introduced to Triage. Um, later, we get introduced to, um, oh, why, am I, why is this? Ben name? Dietz, more. Yes, Ben. Um, and they're not doing anything particularly different than they have been for years of continuity. And they are outraged. Like, this guy is a terrorist. Why? I, I That doesn't make sense to me. Um, can you still be angry that he killed all of your dad? Yes, but (laughs) it's not, shouldn't be because of what he's doing. What he's doing is what the X-Men do.
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It's, so I think it's interesting, uh, because reading this again, I can definitely see a dichotomy being formed. Like the X-Men at the Jean Grey School are just kind of being petty mm-hmm so i think it's i think people at the time may have read this as marvel hates got summers which is a buck wild thing to do when again bendis is going to do like 70 issues about the dude
0: uh, yeah, uh I mean that is just definitely not the case you don't you don't hate a character and then want to introduce two versions of that character and write about both of them um you know and and the dichotomy between the two of them i, I don't no. think that makes any sense.
1: They're having characters go through conflict because conflict is the centerpiece of every story. and makes things interesting. And they present an incredibly interesting conflict. What's very interesting is when Beast decides to exaggerate a situation. Yes. And the Um, book kind of calls him out on it the entire time if you read it close enough. mm -hmm. Like if you read it with just a maybe they don't hate Cyclops look, you can see ah oh, dang they're they're textually saying that this is a bad idea and a bad plan and everyone should think it's bad uh for beast to jump into x-men 8 you know that one where they fought eunice the untouchable
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> that's exactly where he is right yeah uh, because it's, beast hasn't gone off to be a wrestler
1: <laughs> it's like page six of x-men number eight
0: yeah um so you know, we get a lot of stuff happening here. Beast has his uh his second mutation on top. Well, I guess it's his third, right? It's his, his third it's mutation. His
1: third mutation, his fourth permutation of yes. his form, because his his uh let's call it classic beast, OG Beast form. Not mm-hmm. OG, just classic beast, uh was not a mutation. That was him in Science Juice his secondary (laughs) mutation was cat beast yes his tertiary mutation is i guess ape beast is where he's at now
0: can i just i don't like it it's fine yeah i'm not i've never been a fan and and of course if imminent is drawing it we we should talk about the art here um it looks it looks great but artists for years have gotten this beast design like so completely different and I, i just i wish they would. I don't know what maybe make him mutate again. I, I don't know.
1: It's not as solidly like it's not as consistently off model as the like the cat beast, which had mm-hmm. wild variations.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some people drew with like a, a big old snout, like he's a wolf or something, but um I like the
1: cat beast better than this though.
0: Uh yeah, me too. Definitely. Uh but we should talk about the art because what we have here is an all-star combo. We have Stuart Eminem. Um, being inked by, I always mess up Wade's name, Wade Von uh, Graubadger. Graubadger,
1: it's Graubadger. Wade Von Graubadger.
0: Doing this spectacular, amazing, immaculate artwork on every single dang page. And I think that that elevates this story. I mean, if you had a different art team on this, it might not resonate as much. But the fact that it is uh, imminent It just really sells this thing big time.
1: He floors me with his art. Going back to this, I've forgotten just how spoiled uh, we were in that era. Equally, equally good on this is Marty Gracia, who Mm -hmm. is uh, doing the colors, and his colors are phenomenal on this. Absolutely jaw dropping. Like sets the tone so good to still be this big superhero comic but with just enough grit to it that it doesn't feel like cheesy silver age stuff
0: Mm -hmm. um and i i do think that some of the story beats here work pretty well in terms of setting up what bendis is going to do we get that our former phoenix fivers powers are either better or broken depending on the character which is um, a good
1: plot hook that never really goes anywhere but that's not well, this uh,
0: yeah that the the conclusion of that drove me nuts i was not happy with that um but we start to get the interpersonal dynamics that are going to be the the crux of what he's doing with uncanny um and by the time we get to the end of issue five we have the professor k set up that uh kitty is going to lead the o5 in the present and, and- i yeah I was going to say, and we get
1: so much good stuff in between that. Like, you get a fight between Cyclops and Cyclops. It's great. Like, it gives you what you want by issue four. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what you're in for. Issue number four, it's like, yeah, you want this. You want this showdown. And by there, that's when the 05 realized, oh, wait. It plants that first seed of maybe this bad future. Like, our days of future past? Mm Is not what we thought it was? (laughs) <laughs> and then well, you get number five which has just gene going into freaking hank's mind and setting up gene really as the leader of the 0 5
0: yes and it's she, so good gets and it gets to learn that, her entire continuity uh, it has
1: that beautiful double page spread just just drop it directly directly into my chaotic arteries because <laughs> i want that i want that flowing through me it's so good y'all know the one where she's standing there and there is uh 50 years of x-men continuity floating around her noggin
0: it is astounding and and there have been homages to it over the last couple of years but Uh, because it's a good layout (laughs) yeah the original is just it's outstanding so um i this was one of the arcs that really got me back in like i was already reading wolverine and the x-men at this point but when Bendis and Eminence started doing this title, and especially when Uncanny hit again, I feel like I really got sucked back into X-Men comics. Um, so I remember this fondly. Um, I know that people look back at the Bendis era with varying levels of satisfaction, but um, this is this is good comics.
1: Yeah, it's good comics. And if you don't like it, I can't help you. Uh, where should where should we put it? Because we talk about good comics and bad comics on our list of 210 X-Men comics, uh, ranging from the very, very best X-Men comic on our list, uh, Uncanny X-Men number 141 to 142, The Days of Future Past, jumping down at number 50 to X-Men slash Alpha Flight, Mm -hmm. At 100, we have Amazing Spider-Man 92, which is a story where Spider-Man and Iceman stop some corrupt politicians. (laughs) Uh, We got Cable and Deadpool 7 through 10, The Burnt Offering at 150. And at 200, we have uh, X-Force 59 through 61, The Shatterstar Saga. And then we have 10 stories that are worse than that, that we don't need to get into. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah the the less said about those the better um we have covered some of the bendis era before and we have. Um, at 83 and 84 on the list we have the last will and testament of charles xavier and at 84 we have battle of the atom which i think a lot of people assumed would be sort of if not the resolution might be a little bit <laughs> more of an advancement in this particular arc than than what we got um, well i think this is better than both
1: I think it's better than both. And let's put a pin in that thought that you just had about Battle of the Atom, because I have some theories.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, we'll put a pin right there.
0: This is yeah.
1: this is definitely better than them. It's better than All-New X-Men 37, which is where uh, Jean Grey and Emma Frost have a good time in Madripoor.
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful issue, but this, this first arc is better than that.
1: Uh, I like it better than... Uncanny X-Men volume two, 14 through seventeen, the sinister AVX story.
0: And we have that at 44.
1: Um I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one out here. I want to hear your thoughts. Okay, go ahead. Better or worse than Uncanny X-Men avenge the earth. Hmm. That's at 32 right now. Like There's some good stories up here. And I'll tell you, I like this story. Like, rereading it, I was pumped. I kind of wanted to read all of the Bendis X-Men again, except for there was still Wolverine unread.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you've been reading a lot of Wolverine lately. Guys, I Um, read,
1: like, 50 to 60 issues of Wolverine this weekend.
0: (laughs) I would say that this is on par with oh man i kind of want to go higher than that Um, okay
1: um uh, here's my ceiling okay here's my ceiling i don't think it's better than the first arc of x force x statics at 25 yeah i i think that that arc is better i think that i think this is better than mutant genesis
0: but i I was just gonna say i think that's a good place for it um i don't know if this is better than the inferno arc of new mutants um but i could be persuaded otherwise but i do think that it's it's better than mutant genesis uh which is the first three issues of x-men volume two then um,
1: i I'd, I'd say i'd say we slotted in right there as our new number 27.
0: perfect okay great So we've
1: got all new x-men volume one at number 27. <laughs> A controversial and also great showing for this good book.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that people look back on this and and it's strangely controversial um, just because of, you know, what, what the action is of bringing the past to the future. But uh, I don't know, like if you want a big, bold step from a bold writer, uh, I think you could do a lot worse.
1: Yeah, this was good. I was real happy with it. It was a great. Yeah. Uh, so you had mentioned Battle of the Atom being a, uh, you know, possibly where we would wrap this up. And I don't think you're wrong necessarily, mm-hmm. because I, I honestly believe, and I have no credible sources for any of this. So this is, is this Zach's, hot, is this a hot take? Is this Zach's hot take corner? <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't had go. a hot
0: take corner in a while. Let's let's have it.
1: Well, I think this actual entire episode is a hot take corner, but let's call this Zach's <laughs> hot take uh yeah, let's just say corner. I can't think of a good joke right here, guys. I'm sorry. Uh,
0: it's it's your hot take uh nook. <laughs> uh,
1: your... this is this is Zach's speculation nook.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: in here in Zach's speculation nook, I think when Low, I believe it was, pitched this idea of bringing the 05 back because it wasn't Bendis. It was I believe it was Nicolo, maybe Mike Martz, I forget who was actually uh running the show at this exact time. Uh I think they said, that's a good idea. We'll try it. Let's make sure we have an exit ramp. (laughs) Like, if this thing crashes and burns, let's have a way to fix it real soon. Mm -hmm. And then I think when it started to hit and work, they said, okay, let's bring it back. Let's keep going. Uh, we, We knew we could use Battle of the Atom for that, but let's not. And then they moved forward again. And we got some space stuff, and we got new members of the team, and we got a lot of things and then i think they said well secret wars is coming up let's uh let's see if that needs to be the time where we get rid of the oh five and they did choose not to
0: (laughs) no they did not that's right
1: (laughs) uh and then they uh they said well dang let's keep running with this thing i guess but we got to clean it up and i we know from talking with cullen that x-men blue was going to be that last like we'll do like 12 or 18 issues of it and then Mm -hmm. send them home and it lasted like twice that long Mm -hmm. so i really do feel like they have like built-in exits all the way around for when it finally becomes too much
0: well and we know from talking to uh uh, dennis hopeless and Colin bunn that the original premise of you know, how they were going to go back, what the resolution of the story was going to be, did change multiple times. And we'll we'll get back to this uh, towards the end of the episode. But Well, I was just um, going
1: to jump into it now.
0: Oh, you want to go do it now? All right, let's do we're it. We're
1: already on that trade. Let's talk yeah, about how they well. actually went back. So let,
0: yeah, let's talk about it. Let's uh, let's get into extermination, because they, I mean, it's kind of crazy that they lasted, the 05 <laughs> lasted in the uh, present all the way up into extermination.
1: Uh, like four months ago
0: yeah which is pretty Uh, wild
1: extermination was a five issue miniseries released in 2018 written by friend of the show ed brisson uh with art on it by upcoming house of x artist pepe Raz, uh who you didn't hear him on the podcast uh but pepe has said this is the most excited he's ever been about anything he's ever drawn and if you've seen the cover art it looks good.
0: Um, I have said it before. I will continue to say that Pepe Larraz is the best thing in superhero comics right now, um, and his artwork on Extermination is no exception. Uh, this Marte story... Garcia
1: also, or Gracia also uh, does the colors on this one, and it's yeah. still so good.
0: Yeah great colors i, I think uh, garcia is doing or is it gracia right uh, yeah gracia is, yeah is doing a uh, house of x and uh, powers of ten um so there is no way <laughs> in the world that what happens in extermination was ever the original plan or not even i don't think the second or the third plan for what was supposed to happen with the o5 would you agree with that
1: yeah no this was a uh let's see what what's happening in blue and let's work from there
0: yes uh because this is a wild and i i don't even know if it's truly successful um it's beautiful because of the illustrations um yeah uh, is firing on all cylinders here
1: with the exception of issue four where he only does layouts uh and he has have a fill-in penciler whose name right. me at the moment yeah. that issue Sitting doing in one sitting instead of with the weirdly long gaps between issues we had on this event uh definitely stands out.
0: Mhm. Um but if you had told me <laughs> you know after getting into all new X-Men after reading Battle of the Atom even during the X-Men blue run that this was going to conclude with Cable being killed by a teen version of himself and die off, yeah. 5 issue Uh, conflict with ahab and hounds i i don't even know if i would have believed you i probably would have laughed at you i think this is the this is either the first or the second time this is the first time he's come up
1: as like a main character in this ahab adam i hate ahab (sighs) i hate ahab i got beyond beyond being a Moby Dick reference (laughs) I don't know what he's got going for him he's evil and kind of a pirate that's it that's all he's got
0: well and he's also had the the great benefit of being introduced and illustrated over the years by some very talented artists you know the first time we really got into Ahab was uh in an uncanny annual that was illustrated by Art Adams um and then You know, we were just talking about Avenge the Earth. Ahab, you know, pops up there. So it's great when a good artist can take on uh, Ahab. But as a character, you're exactly right. He is basically just an, you know, an unstoppable force of I want to kill you. And, you know, (laughs) beyond that, I I don't know what you're really getting out of having Ahab in your story.
1: Because this is what he wants in the story. He wants to kill one of the X-Men. Yes. One of the O5. He mm-hmm. doesn't particularly care which, but he thinks if he can kill them sooner than he, than uh, Iceman died in his timeline, things are going to work out well.
0: Right. Right. He's just trying to ensure that the future is messed up. That, that's pretty much it, right?
1: Yeah, that's his whole deal. And that's boring. He's also using two small French kids to turn uh, X-Men into hounds. Which yeah. doesn't go anywhere until the end where it gets handled mo- almost off panel where Rachel gets turned into a hound and then captured by Ahab and not fixed. Right. So That's we're- currently being fixed in X-Force. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, we're, we're that, which leads directly into Brisson's X-Force front.
1: It was only the third time that year that she had become possessed and fought the
0: X-Men. Uh oh, poor Rachel she really Seriously, doesn't good shape
1: 2018 did not do Rachel Summers gray justice
0: Um so I guess your mileage with this is going to vary based on um your <laughs> Your shock factor at having teen Cable come back uh, and kill uh, the beloved adult Cable. I thought it was
1: a wild twist when it happened. And then the more I've spent with teen Cable, the more I've just hated it. I hate that kid. He's bad and he's taking time away from the good, good X-Force boys.
0: Uh, Well, and he also, you know, we've talked about this before, I think. But this idea that he's a time cop. um, Cable is not a time cop. You cable know?
1: has been someone who has monitored the time stream on occasion but that's not been his like job no. that's been like a hobby since he had a time machine and a gun
0: That's right it's not his stick um I do think it's a clever approach to say hey you know I'm going to step in I'm Team Cable I'm going to step in and I'm going to fix this situation whether anybody else likes it or not but it's one of these things where like about three issues in he explains what he's doing and everybody's like oh yeah that's cool and still shouldn't have shot cable in the head with, right like oh uh, god yeah it, it's it's ingenious but at the same time it's very weird um and i think that the art is doing a lot of the lifting here in terms of selling how dramatic this story is because You know as it was coming out i definitely was enjoying it there's a lot of really good action here Um, it's taking risks i think that it has a certain level of fun with the x-force characters which is cool
1: oh yeah no that's the thing x-force in this story is done super well yeah i it's why i was excited for brisson's x-force and why i'm equally disappointed that for the first five issues his five yeah five issues his X-Force has been Team Cable in Deathlock. And also the X-Force characters are here, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's still kind of building that team. Um, but I
1: he gave an interview where he said that uh the next arc, Team Cable's mostly not in it, and I couldn't have been happier.
0: <laughs> so uh this also does a couple other controversial things, um, not the least of which is that after the O five agree to be sent back, um it, They are mind wiped. um, So they have no memory of this, but their memories of their time in the present are then transported to their counterparts in the present, which especially considering Iceman's uh, journey, um, it's a little troubling.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm I don't I'm not going to personally dig into that too much as a straight dude who's not had to deal with being in the closet. Uh, And then having to have my time-displaced self out me to myself and then have to go back into the closet at one point and then eventually come back out. See, that's just confusing. I will say that I think the books since then have tried to take steps to address it. And I do think that knowing that that was an eventuality, Cullen Bunn in his X-Men Blue running up to this event – did make a very significant point to say this is a terrible thing that Iceman's gonna have to do. Mm-hmm. And that just um, sucks.
0: Yeah, I want to also just talk more generally about extermination because my hope was always that the 05 would be sent back and that it would present the current lineup with a huge shift you know like whatever the wrinkles were that were going to be from sending this team back who had spent time in the present like there's there would be no way for to do that cleanly to me nope you know just from like someone who likes time travel stories so i was really hoping that the x-line as a whole would have used the opportunity to send those characters back and make it be a a, a shift in what was going on with the books. And I, you know, it's still shocking to me that they didn't do that. Um, Especially knowing that uncanny and all new, were going to wrap up with secret wars. It would have been the perfect opportunity for, you know, coming out of that huge crossover event and saying, here's a mini series. We send them back, but then here's what happens because we did that. And here's our new norm. And that's not what they did at all.
1: It would have been wild, but also Flashpoint made a lot of people mad. Sure, <laughs> when, sure. When, when DC did that, yeah. So I can I can see why they went with the clean option of blah 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 blah. They're back, and right. everyone's fine, and everyone remembers everything, and all the stories happened. But it's fine, guys. Uh, it's interesting. The one the one big thing I have against this story, uh, especially on rereading, is how cavalierly it treats a handful of characters, like. Bloodstorm's a nothing character. I understand the appeal. I understand that Bloodstorm could have been cool. Bloodstorm didn't do anything in X-Men Blue, and then she died uh to motivate young Scott Summers. And that's it. And that sucks. Mm -hmm. Uh I it it felt just very disposable. We've gotta kill someone and clean up the table at the same time, so let's move on. Uh I think that was bad. I think killing off Mimic as a cliffhanger was dumb <laughs> like that did nothing <laughs> except for say what's gonna happen in number five.
0: Right. Yeah. That was we, dumb. We we believe that one of them and how much more more interesting is it if one of them actually dies? You know what I mean? I, I just feel like the the stakes ultimately are quite low. Um it, you, you have cable die but you still have a cable. Um you know the 5 oh who is it that the mimics imitating at that point cyclops Cyclops, right because
1: cyclops was hidden on the last cover so you didn't know if he was going to live or die
0: right right
1: and guys cyclops fans are very afraid about when cyclops is going to live or die
0: yeah yep so i i don't know i mean is it well done absolutely i will go to bat for pepe lara's art all the time I think it's right. well done. I just my ultimate desires for what I thought they were going to do when they introduced, you know, this bonkers idea of bringing the 05 to the present. This is not how I thought it was going to go.
1: So, let's uh let's look at our list here to judge this harshly and fairly. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll judge it the right way. Do you like it better or worse than Battle of the Atom, which is a story we love but is, has some issues?
0: um i mean the
1: battle of the atom has good art too let's not forget
0: yes it also has
1: super good art the entire time
0: well not the entire time It 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 has it has a few not so great issues um but you're right that Pepe does have there's a fill-in issue um where he's just doing layouts um but when he is firing i i don't know it's it's absolutely amazing I think my only critique of his artwork might be the way he illustrates Glob Herman. Um, Oh, his Glob's
1: weird. I don't like his (laughs) Glob at all.
0: It's very weird. Um, I think I like Battle of the Atom better. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I
1: think, let me throw this one out. Do you like it better or worse than X-Men Blue uh, 16 through 20, the cross time capers at number 97?
0: (sighs) I think I like this better than that um i liked cross time capers i liked the return of the future brotherhood um but i do think for you know the risk taking that extermination does i I think it's relatively successful even if it's not what i want out of the story
1: oh can i tell you can i tell you what may be a good controversial point
0: yeah go for it
1: avengers versus x-men at 88
0: yep yep um but below that we have psych wars Um, i
1: think psych wars is better than. i was gonna
0: say i think psych wars is better that might be a good spot for it what do you think about that because
1: right below that is the three issue arc of wolverine and the x-men where kitty pride gets pregnant with some brood children
0: yep yep uh so
1: i think this is better than that yeah
0: so is this our new 90.
1: yeah this is our new number 90. excellent uh this is x termination uh number 90 but right above the brood saga with pregnant kitty
0: (laughs) yes all right so uh, we've covered all of the 05 at this point now
1: yep uh oh wait we do three stories
0: oh yes no we are going to do another story um i'm just saying to listeners that we've covered the entire thing now you know yeah, like...
1: front to back you should read about the o5 they're pretty great uh they're the best here here's a bold statement they're the best that the o5 x-men together as a cohesive unit have ever been
0: <laughs> um sure I this is so.
1: better than the like the first 70 issues of x factor like pound for pound the o5 story better than those
0: i i can get behind that um i think another place that people might want to hang out with the O five 5 if they're not a silver age fans is what we're going to talk about for our third story
1: are you talking about dennis hopeless halliums and uh jamie mckelvey's x-men season one
0: i am i am a 130 something page hardcover deluxe introduction to the silver age uh x-men if they had some fun. (laughs) yeah
1: it's a a, this is a good OGN uh Dennis is a friend of the show as we have mentioned uh and we talked to him about this years ago wow it really has been hasn't it it's been like a year and a half two years since Mm -hmm. we chatted with good sir hopeless I was hoping to see him at C2E2 but he had to cancel at the last minute
0: yeah
1: uh poor Dennis uh anyway uh this is like you said it's a retelling of the silver age if they had cell phones but it kind of also isn't because it tells the like the scenes in between the silver age which is very interesting it's character building in the silver age
0: yeah um it doesn't focus on the battle scenes um we are getting nods to some of those classic conflicts between uh magneto or the blob um, you the know, Unis, well, the
1: untouchable story is in here.
0: Yeah, we get the Unis story, which is great. Um, though I, I don't think there's any cake involved. Um, there because...
1: is no cake. Dennis didn't put the cake in here. And no, Dennis, that's no. your own fault.
0: Missed opportunity. You the
1: cake, Dennis. You're the um, one who made us talk about the cake on this podcast. Dennis.
0: <laughs> but it, it really does give you a nice uh, contemporary take on the characters. And it is such a fantastic introduction to... Um, You know, it links very, very smoothly with, you know, the 05 coming to the present. You know, uh, all of this brings up crazy questions about sliding timelines and, you know, what is considered canon in terms of the exterior time. Um, If you you think
1: about it too hard, your head will break. Yes. Just don't.
0: You don't want to think about it, you know, because if you go back to all new X-Men, you know, we were just talking about they do pretty much look like they're in the 60s.
1: Oh, um, yeah. Uh, later, later in that run, Scott Summers doesn't know what bottled water is.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, Did something the happen fact, to the water? Yeah. Despite the fact that the O5, um, you know, seem to know contemporary slang when they come to the present. But I, I like that season one just straight up says, hey, we're now this isn't necessarily like a, a continuity or a canon thing but it's an introduction to these characters and to this time period if you don't feel like digging through these old stanley jack kirby issues
1: which is incredibly valid yeah uh, yeah it, it's good i love the gene gray we get here it's a fun sassy gene it's it's the gene gray that dennis wrote in his gene gray
0: series and it's good Yeah, um, she's definitely poised as the leader of the team, um, which I think is an important shift. You know, she's our POV from the start of the story uh, to the very last page when she's in, you know, she's pictured on a splash page as the person in front. Uh, You know, she's the lead singer. So it's a really nice repositioning of what her character was all about, because, you know, the Silver Age doesn't do her any favors. She's basically wallpaper.
1: It also has very good interactions between Cyclops and Iceman, which I I love the relationship in this. Because mm-hmm. Cyclops, Cyclops is pretty much Cyclops. <laughs> He's very driven, very determined. He's working really hard. And Iceman happens to stumble into him in the danger room uh, with Cyclops trying to take down a simulated villain uh, without using his powers and only by telling other people what to do. <laughs> right. And Iceman says why are you using a fake ice man i'm right here <laughs> i'll be your ice man scott it is so good because it positions bobby on this team as like yeah he's the kid and yeah he's a jokester but he actually like wants to prove himself and wants to try and doesn't want to be seen as a liability or anything like that it's great
0: yeah the characterization of bobby here of all five of them but bobby is great you know he's sort of he's definitely the kid on the team uh he kind of has a Justin Bieber early Justin Bieber look to him and uh you know his, the things he does here are very fun um and very, like just the way that Dennis captures the essence of each of these characters is is really great
1: yeah i uh i like how that that works uh i also really like uh, Jamie McKelvey's art uh look Dennis Dennis told us that he kind of got this gig last minute and Jamie had already signed on so he got lucky here
0: um and McKelvey's art is is great just in terms of the tone of this story you know what I mean
1: McKelvey draws sassy teens
0: he does um but he's doing a a really great kind of um trying to think of how to put this like it's a clean look You know it's not super it it obviously has a style but it's not super stylized it doesn't look like it's trying to ape a silver age style or anything no
1: it's it's not it's not cartooning uh it's very heavy lines uh which like when i think of jamie McCovey art i think of real thick heavy lines Mm -hmm. and teens in cool costumes and clothes mostly
0: (laughs) Um, But he really does, you know, he gets the expressions of these characters down, you know, as they're reacting to each other, as they're going through these situations. And, you know, given that most of the book is sort of downtime, it's not like super crazy adventure time. um, He has to really handle some nuance in terms of how the characters are talking to each other.
1: Yeah, he makes sure that they can come on, grab their friends and sit down and talk about their feelings a little bit, which Mm -hmm. is nice. Uh, Jamie McCovey is very good at doing talking heads, uh, which a lot of this book is to its credit, and it's great, and I like it. And I honestly think that if you want to introduce someone to the X Men, uh, give them "Astonishing X Men: Gifted." If you want someone to that says, "No, no, no," I have to know what happened from the start, say, "Screw all that," give them this.
0: Oh yeah, this is a fantastic primer. Um, if you know you're looking to go back from the start and you want to get an idea of, hey. You know what was what was all this about you know why should i get excited about it and i think that you will um get hooked you know you you could draw a direct line between what dennis is doing here to what bendis is doing and then what dennis takes over again when he does his run on all new
1: yeah i'm uh i like this book i'm excited about this book existing Yeah, uh, we should write this book though
0: okay I think this is pretty darn good. Um, you know, We've talked before on the show about the idea of you know introductory books, like things you could hand to people and say, hey, this is what X-Men are about. This is a good one to do that.
1: Similarly, a book that was trying to be an introductory book is at number uh, 60 right now, Ultimate X-Men 1 through 6, The Tomorrow People. I mm-hmm. think this is better.
0: I think this is better too. Um, up at 49, we have Giant Size X-Men number one. What do you think I about
1: think this versus that
0: comparable okay all right like so i know think i we're think at. we're
1: in the ballpark because a few above that is like ooh, wait i got an idea okay do you think this is better or worse than x-men 92 1 through 4 the world is a vampire
0: i do i do think this is better
1: i i will say i don't think it's better we got we got a block up uh, right around 40 of X-Factor Volume 2, Morlocks, is for Extinction. I like those books better. Okay. Okay. So I think we are between that. Uh, so we've got a couple up there. Uh, better or worse than what if Wolverine was Lord of the Vampires? Hmm. Again, it's it's like we are, we are right there.
0: Yeah. They're I know two we're,
1: very different flavors.
0: I, I know we're in the right realm. I think this is better. Um, you know, you kind of have to know a little bit more about x continuity to get into that whereas this is not that this should be the objective but it, you could hand this to anyone and they could get a good sense of what silver age x-men is all about um so above that we have um at 41 x-men legacy 208 to 210 this is kind of comparable with that that's one that's revisiting the past as well
1: yeah that's the first arc of the uh, of x-men legacy mm-hmm. I will say that this is above that, below X Factor Volume 2.
0: I can get behind that. I like that. That's a good place for it.
1: Yeah. Because it... I don't know. It's just a fun book. It's good.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, but I think that's so a good this place is for it.
1: What is this? 41? 41. Okay. Okay. Right. That is... Uh, that is the show. I think we finished up our podcast,
0: Adam. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've been hanging out with the O5, and we hope you should too, because yeah, these, well, these are good stories.
1: We're going to send ourselves into the future now, into your earbuds, <laughs> to listen to this, which will be fun. Uh, yes. So I did want to thank Thomas Cummins for supporting the show and for suggesting this. It was a very fun set of stories to talk about. If you want to be like Tom, you can go on over to patreon.com slash Files. Uh, If you pitch in at the $2 a month or higher level, you can get an entire story bespoke crafted around one of your suggestions. And I will tell you, spots are filling up quick for 2019. So get them in. Uh, Guys, I'm running out of room. Uh, So if you got a story you want us to talk about, please send it in. If you can't support us fiscally, I understand that. That's fine. That's a thing that happens in this world. And we all have to accept that. Uh, if you want to just tell a friend or like maybe retweet the show, do whatever, just so more people see this work that we are creating. Uh, that's great. Uh, also, I guess if I'm just plugging away, I'm at Exhibi Files on Twitter and you can follow me for all the latest and greatest stuff and things. Uh, you can also uh, go to XavierFiles.com, where I have a bunch of X-Men news and articles, and this podcast is there. Uh, beyond that, I'm going to be at Gen- Gem City Comic Con uh, the end of this month. I did do some uh, math this week, Adam. Ooh. Uh, you know, Gem City Comic Con, it's on a Saturday and a Sunday. Okay. Do you know what's on that Friday? No. What weekend is that? It's Avengers Game. Oh. You know who's Duffo not going to have a babysitter that Friday? Hey,
0: sorry, boss. I'm going, I ha- I'm going that Friday. I'll be I'm, there.
1: Like, I'm, I'm just going into a place where it just says, guys, talk about this.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're going to get spoiled.
1: It's just going to happen, and it's rough. Yeah. But I'm accepting that. Uh, me and Luke Hare are going to be there. It's going to be a good time. We got a panel on bad comics and how you should talk about them productively. Uh, so that's nice, Adam. Uh, what are you up to?
0: Well, guys, uh, you can always follow me at Arthur Stacey on Twitter. Uh, new pages of Bish and Jubes, the cross time conundrum, are available every X Men Monday at AdamWreck.tumblr.com.
1: That is uh that is great. Now next week we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about that firm establishment, uh, the Mar-a-Lago of the X Men. That is, of course, the Hellfire Club. <laughs> Sounds but good. Um, but until then, this has been Battle of the Adam. We hope you survived the experience.
0: Get it!